0: I'm Kezia. I um, have several hats in my life. Um, My main project right now is growing a baby. So that's that's my current uh, side project, you could say, (laughs) which has so far been an interesting adventure. We'll just leave it at that. I uh, work as like a holistic nutritionist. So I talk to people a lot about their poo, about their periods, and about their relationship with food. So I like talking about things you're not really supposed to talk about. It's fun. Um, and I'm also, as I say, creative and an artist and love doing random stuff like that. And I'm married to Joe, who is probably the tallest person in the room actually, because Nick Treadgold's not here, but he's, he's doing youth just now. And today, I get to talk to you about um, generosity. And so the title of what I'm going to talk about today is Extravagant Generosity. And while generosity can mean many things, it can mean giving time, giving resources, giving possessions, giving expertise, giving wisdom, today I'm going to focus on money. Oh, oh, which is exciting. And it's a really important topic, I think, actually, to talk about. And I know... That it ruffles people 's feathers, I think talking about money sometimes in church churchy Sunday contexts, I know that it can we can all get have different triggers around money, we all have different emotional responses, or we all just have our kind of unique relationship with it, and I think it 's a bit of a taboo subject sometimes in church money, I still think. Um, a bit like I don't know, sex or talking about poo or something while you're preaching. It's a bit like a kind of a. Oh, I don't want. I don't want people to talk to me about that. But I'm really excited to talk about this because I actually think um, God spoke to me last January about preaching about money, which I just laughed at for like half an hour. I was like, I think, I think maybe he should. Ask someone else to do that because I'm not that great with actual numbers. They tend to move around on a page when I look at them. But thankfully, God gave me Joe, who's like Mr. Numbers person. So he does the actual maths in our unit, which is quite helpful. And I have the wild ideas. So, um, But I feel like it's a really, really important topic. And he spoke to me last year. And and this whole area of money has been something he's really been doing quite like a deep work in me about, actually, probably for the last four years. Um, And I'll share a little bit about my journey with that and through that process. But I really think that Money is something that our relationship and our beliefs about money and about God are really fundamental, actually, for this time and for this generation. I think there's something that really needs to shift, and there's something that we really need to step into as individuals, as families, as the body of Christ around our connection and our kind of relationship with money, and especially our beliefs about money. I think. I've grown up in a church environment all my life and I think there's so many just have a really skewed or weird relationship with it. We can either be really judgmental and think that everyone who's wealthy is selfish and doesn't love God and unspiritual or we can be really passive about it and we're just like, well, it doesn't matter. God's going to provide, so I'll just not look after my finances at all. Oops, I'm in loads of debt. Oops. Like we can either be somewhere on this spectrum and I actually think there's a really... There's a, there's, uh, I think how we handle our money is all about worship. And so just as I talk to people all the time about um, how we eat is about worship, I think how we handle our money is about worship. How we live our whole lives is basically about money, but I, uh, about worship. and <laughs> Well, I suppose you could argue, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's true. And, and I think it, money is such a huge part of our lives. It can be a huge st- part of how we are um, uh, what we think about. If you've ever been in financial um, stress, you can find yourself just like obsessively thinking about it all the time. Like, I've got a bill coming out tomorrow. Oh, crap. How am I going to pay that? It can, it can fill your whole mind. So I think it's really important that we, this is an area that is totally infused with God's ideas, God's presence, God's thoughts, God's truth, God's wisdom, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, because I think this stuff does. You might listen a lot of the stuff I'm gonna to say today, you might be a bit like, oh, I don't really oh, I don't really like you're talking about that, or that kind of pushes a few of my buttons. And that's okay, but we've got to get kind of God's opinion on it. So I am I love talking about money actually. I think it's really fun. And I think the reason I think money is a reflection of our hearts and of our values, which is why we need to talk about it. And why we need to talk about it individually in your family unit or whatever, you know, your family setup is, but also as a body. Because how we spend our money is a reflection of the things that we deem worthy or valuable. So if you looked in the last six months at everything me and Joe have spent our money on, you would clearly see some of the things that we value. So we value the basic necessities of life, as in shelter. So a lot of our money goes on a mortgage, electricity. Water, you know, all those really sexy things. Um, So you'll see, but that's a value we have. So we value our home. We value shelter. I value being warm. So our heating bill's quite big. Joe doesn't value that. So it's an area of contention. Um, (laughs) LAUGHTER Don't ask he's not allowed to touch radiators anymore in our house or the little dial that controls the heating I've just banned him from touching it because he always is like it's so hot and I'm like It isn't it's January and we value overpriced coffee You know, I know you can get a 99p coffee at McDonald's But I'm probably gonna spend 295 for like a tiny flat white from someone with a mustache I'm probably gonna spend that I value organic food so I spend quite a lot of money on organic broccoli So you could get broccoli for 40p, I value organic broccoli, so I spend like 125. You know, that's a value I have. It's not a value everyone has, but I like broccoli. Um, and loads of other bizarre stuff that I would spend money on. I don't really spend a lot of money on clothes. That's not a super high value I have, but I do maybe spend money on weird health-related things like infrared sauna blankets or weird clays that I put in my baths or like water filters. You know, weird stuff like that because it's a value that I have. I deem that worth investing in. So how you spend your money I think is a real, a really good reflection of your values, your beliefs, and your priorities in your life, which is why it's something we've got to talk about. So I think what we're t- when I'm talking about generosity today, I've got three parts, which I may get through, depending how fast I speak, <laughs> or we'll see. But really what we're talking about is our intimacy and connection with God. We're looking at the beliefs we have about money and God, and we're also looking, in a way, at the the level of wisdom we have asked for and cultivated and stewarded in our, in our lives around money. Because I think we, um, I think sometimes how we we're invited to ask for wisdom. If, if you've ever read Proverbs and Psalms, I remember reading it as a teenager. I remember, I always, I still now, as an adult, mainly read Proverbs and Psalms because they're nice and short and they just help, I find them easier to read for my brain. And, um, I remember reading Proverbs as like a 14-year-old just being like, this guy talks about wisdom all the time. Like, what is the deal with that? And I still don't fully understand it, but I know it's a great thing to have more of in my life. So I'm going to look at two different verses, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. And this is roughly going to be broken down into three parts. So the first verse I want to read you is from Deuteronomy 8, um, verse 11. I'll read out the whole thing, and then we'll we'll go through it. So Deuteronomy 8, it says... Um, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who's brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land that is with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought, you, he brought you water out of hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, My strength and power my strength, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So you can go away and read the context of that, but it's basically about God bringing people into the promised land. That's my summary of it. So the first thing that is important to establish is that we are blessed. So we are a people of promise. We're God's children. We're his people. We are a people who have been brought out of slavery, spiritually, and physically in our case and you know none of us are slaves here we're in union with the god of all creation and the god of the universe we have the spirit dwelling in our very flesh and bones we are fully one with both jesus the father and the spirit and in that we are one with all that he is so he gave us all and we gave ourselves and we kind of got lost in him in this beautiful union because we have been crucified with Christ and the life we now live is in him. Our father has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and pain and shame and sickness and death and he's brought me into his kingdom of light. He's made me his child and so as his child I inherit all his provision and all his healing, all his finance, all his miracles, all his fruitfulness, all his joy, all his fun. So we are a blessed people, aren't we? Well, I think we are. Jan thinks we are. Dad thinks we are. But we're marked by Jesus' blood. We're a living testament to the goodness of God. We are like the people of the... The people. The Israelites. There we go. That's what it's called. In the Old Testament, That have been bought out of slavery and into a land of promise. We lack not, no good thing. We've been given all things. And in, if you read Psalms regularly, you'll notice that it always says, the Lord blesses the righteous, the Lord blesses the righteous, the Lord blesses the righteous, like on and on and on, not just repeatedly, but it's just slot in there all the time. And we are righteous now. There's nothing that can unrighteous us, if that makes sense. We can't be unrighteous because we're marked by Jesus' blood, so we don't lack anything. And we do have circumstances where our experience maybe it doesn't appear to be that we lack no good thing um, like when i um, i've a bit of background on me i've spent most of my working life so from 16 to i don't know 26 27 working for charities so i um, I um, At one point, I was working for a charity that worked with mainly homeless men, and those with substance abuse issues. And so I, I wasn't earning a lot of money. My overall income was £540 a month, which um, was to cover my bills and my rent and my food and my blah, 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 blah. But there was many times in that situation when I was thinking, oh, I lack no good thing. Oh, I could do with pay, being able to pay my rent <laughs> or buy something other than uh, lentils <laughs> at Little, <laughs> but But even though we can have these circumstances where we don't feel that the truth is we are a blessed people 100 percent but in in his spirit in all that Jesus has done for us we've just been singing about how he gave it all and he gave he, he did he gave, he gave everything not just like the spiritual part of him but all the provision of heaven is us and we're one with him so we are a blessed people but also there's a quote that and um, this guy this investor called Warren Buffett that you might have heard of he's not a A Christian, I don't don't know, I've never met him, he might be. Um, But he's loaded, he's like a multi-billionaire, he's a kind of investor, and he always talks about how in the Western world we've kind of won the ovarian lottery. So, I really like that phrase, because um, the ovarian lottery, because we are a blessed people in that we're God's kids, but even if that wasn't the case for some weird, bizarre reason, we have been, most of us, not all of us, but I know for me, I kind of won the ovarian lottery in that I was born in a safe land without persecution, without war, without, you know, I know I have access to sanitized water. I'm not going to get, you know, chronic diarrhea and die from drinking the water. I mean, it might not taste nice in London, but you know, it's not going to kill me. Um, I was born, you know, I was born in a hospital and that didn't bankrupt my parents in order to pay for that. It was free. I have. Um, I had access to good schooling, um, free school, free schooling. Or you could say it's free-ish because it's about where you live and house prices. But anyway, I had access to good schooling, and I've had lots of education up to where I'm still studying for my masters now because I have access to that. I um, when I have this baby, if something happens and I need to have a C-section, I know I'm not going to be thinking gosh, how am I going to pay the, like, 20,000 pounds to pay for these, like, 14 people and doctors and and nurses and anesthetists and no, 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 to get this out safely? I'm not going to have to do that. Because by the grace of God, I was born in this country. And that is such a privilege. We're just hearing about that family in Lebanon. There's no reason why I wasn't born in Syria. Like, I didn't be, like, before I was born, when I was, like, in egg or whatever to be like, right, let's aim for the UK or let's aim for America or somewhere where I could be free, where I wouldn't be persecuted to worship, where I could have access to benefits, where I, you know, I'm going to go on maternity leave and I'll get some sort of maternity pay. Most countries don't offer that. And that is totally by the grace of God. So even if we weren't God's kids and we weren't totally blessed because we, God's given us everything and we're in union, in union with the king of the universe, we've also got so many blessings. And I know it's not perfect in this country. I'm not like, everything's fine and dandy. But actually there is so many good things and we are so blessed. We have so much. We're like that 1% often of the people on the planet and even even at our lowest Um, points maybe financially we often have not always there is real poverty in this country and I've seen it and I've worked in it and I know that it's real it's not we do have poverty here but there is also so much richness that I think sometimes we really easily forget Um, and I think there's something so refreshing about um, just connecting and being really grateful for the the small things so those are the two kind of um foundations of this is that we are a blessed people because of what Jesus has done and we 're marked by his blood and we 're in union with him, but we also by the grace of God, we have so much just from being in this country actually um, like last night we went out on the streets and we were worshiping on the streets and i whilst it 's not in all honesty the the, the main thing I want to do on a Saturday night is sit in a cold street and worship God, although I love worshipping god i 'd rather like watch Netflix with. I was going to say a glass of wine, but probably a glass of fizzy water. <laughs> but, um, but I do, But I wasn't worried, oh, I'm going to get shot or put in prison. I could just go. People looked at me and sing away, have fun, and then go home. It was all nice and safe. So that's the first thing, is we are a blessed people. We are those people of promise, like the Israelites, that coming out of the land of slavery into abundance, the whole point of the promised land was that it was a land flowing of milk and honey and all these other things that we probably aren't as bothered about now. Like, I don't want loads of milk, but um, it was this idea of provision. I wouldn't mind loads of raw honey, though. That would be awesome. Anyway, so that's number one. Sorry, I'll try and keep my brain focused. Otherwise, I go off. I'll end up telling you about the benefits of raw honey, um, of which there are many. So... The next thing, I remember when I first read this verse, so Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, this was a few good few years ago, and it was a verse actually that God used to give me a real kind of talking to, you know when God kind of does, he gives you like a nice kick up the butt. So I had lots of, um, um, of ideas about money and about wealth, and about those who had wealth, and about those who didn't, and those that had large numbers in their accounts, and those that didn't have large numbers in their accounts. And God really spoke to me and He about this idea that God has anointed us actually to create wealth. And this is something I feel actually is really important for this generation. I think it's really I think it's a real shift actually from previous generations, not not in a not in a bad way, but just in terms of the greater things, you know, like greater revelations, greater truths is that we're anointed to create wealth. And I think there's something that God is doing in our world, where as we start to walk in our union with, with him, and as we realize he's our father and that we're powerful and that he is creative and that he is good, actually we can suddenly realize, oh, I'm anointed to create wealth. And I'm not a, not just so I can have lots of money, but because actually in our world, wealth is very uh, money does a lot of things. So I remember God speaking to me about this, and I've had to completely shift my approach to money. I grew up in a, in a, lots of churchy environments where I not not knowingly, but I just grew up and realised I had all these judgments. I thought wealthy people were kind of selfish. Like if you had a lot of money, then like you really should not have a lot of money and give it all away. Like I would be one of those people that would judge someone with a fancy car because I'm not bothered about cars. So if you spent money on a fancy car, I'd be like, do you know how many people that could feed, you know, one of those, one of those fun people to hang around with? I thought it was somehow unspiritual. I thought basically being a good Christian meant being poor financially. Um, and that it meant basically living in a cycle of earning some money, giving it all away earning some money, giving it all away earning some money, giving it all away never having any savings never having any sort of, of the standard things and while that, I think the Holy Spirit totally does call us to those seasons actually and times when that's the case I actually think there is a, a greater a truth actually and, a, and an opportunity, and invitation God gives us where we actually can become these kind of um, where we where we become kind of wealth generators, like rivers of living water. Not because just to, to not not in a like a yeah, oh let's buy this, sell this, what's happening on the FTSE two hundred? I don't even know what it is. But you know what I mean? Not so we can be like one of those people that's like money, 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 obsessed with money, 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 but so that we can be like, Oh, wouldn't it be awesome to like buy another thirty thousand books and send them a Bibles and send them to Lebanon? Oh yeah. Actually, if four of us clubbed together, we could do that. Or if four of us clubbed together, came up with a creative idea to generate wealth that we implemented in a few months' time, that could be, that could be a source of income, that could buy those Bibles. And I think that's a really different way of thinking. And I think it's a real shift we have to make. And it is uncomfortable. I know that this kind of thing is like, well, surely we should just pray about it. Like even getting the email this week about the special offering and the church needing money or whatever, I'd know that that in a lot of us would trigger off kind of like, we shouldn't talk about that. Shouldn't be emailed about that. Surely we should just pray and God will provide. But what if God's already provided in us? Like in the fact that we're in union with him. And yes, he will provide miraculously. We will get cash through the door. We will get, like I've got loads of stories of that. And I'm sure people here have tons of stories of being like, crap, I have no money. And then like, whoa, God's provided loads of money. Like I've had that. I'm sure, I know many of you have. And that's awesome. But what if, and as well as that, we were also streams and rivers of living water that as well as um, um, being resources of healing and miracles and joy and love, we were also resources of wealth as well. I dream of Joe and I making millions in our lifetime, not just to provide for my immediate family and to buy my organic broccoli, although it is expensive, so I do need some money, or to get like a, you know, big, huge, fancy car. Me and Joe just upgraded our car from a car that wasn't moldy and all the doors opened, so (laughs) cars, I'm not sure cars will ever be something we spend loads of money on. But we dream, I know I dream of funding a rehabilitation unit for women coming out of explo- exploitation here in Glasgow. That's a big dream that I have. I want to fund policy shifts so that in Scotland and in our land, things like prostitution isn't legal anymore. Because I, 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 don't, I, don't I don't want that to be a land and policy that I hand down to my kids. I want to support those working abroad in places like Lebanon and Cambodia and all these different places. I would really like to see homelessness done in our city. Like I really would. I don't I don't I want to see people in homes. I want to see the widow and the orphan and the elderly. I don't want to see them alone. I don't I don't I don't I don't understand why that's a thing and it, it's something that I feel so passionate about and that over the years I always just thought I needed to just give my time, which we do. Service is important. But actually, what if we, what if all of us here made an extra 10 grand a year through partnering with God, that we could use half of that towards some sort of social change in our city? If there's 200 times 5,000, I don't know what that would be. Anyone good at maths? Anyway, it would be a lot of money. It would be a lot of money that we could, just as a small community, we could use to bring some real change. And so I think we, and I know often if you say that things like, Kezia or Simon, you're anointed to create wealth, people can be a bit like, oh, it can make us feel a bit like funny. But I would encourage you, if you feel a bit funny about that, just ask the Holy Spirit about it. Have you had bad experiences around it? Because that's really common. Money is an area that gets abused a lot, especially in church circles of like, oh, it can just get a bit murky. Um, but I really think that this is a revelation that we're invited to that is really important for all that God wants to do in our planet and all that he wants to do in the kind of ongoing revival that we're called to live in. So... It's a million, it would be a million pounds if we all hadn't, could think of a way of generating an extra 5,000 a year to put towards changing our city. That would be a million pounds. We could do a lot with that. Like, couldn't we? We could set up a nice little project that would go and visit elderly people in homes because I think, I used to work a lot with elderly. One of my first jobs was in a Jewish care home. And so many of them were really lonely, but they were great chat. I mean, sometimes not on this planet chat, but great chat. And, it was, it, and, and you, we could set up a thing with that. Because the thing is, yeah, we could do that now. But ideally, to do it well, you need to pay someone to organize it, to get the disclosure checks done, to get the permit. You know, you just need to pay someone to do it properly. You, we could set up that. We could support some of the other awesome stuff going on. We could do loads with a million pounds. I could spend it quickly. <laughs> I'm a spender. Joe's the saver, obviously. If you, if you met my husband, Joe, he loves to save. I love to spend. It's, it's a great combination, most of the time, sometimes not. (laughs) Mainly for Joe. (laughs) It's like, God, we have been to Whole Foods again when it was open anyway. I'm like, yes, we did. Anyway, so that's part one, is that we're a blessed people. We're completely blessed. We lack no good thing. And by the grace of God, we've already been given so much, actually. That I think it's really important to remember, but also I th- really feel that we are anointed to create wealth. As uncom- that used to make me feel really uncomfortable, actually, because I felt like I was maybe wandering into like the dangerous realms of like the prosperity. Pre- I don't know what's that called. Yeah, you know, you need, yeah, when it's like pass the offering and make sure you put your money in and give. I don't know, but I think you just got to get over that and ask the Holy Spirit. What do you think? Because He's always talking. Um, And he's often very clear if you ask him about money. He has definite ideas about it. So if this is the truth, if we are a blessed people and we are blessed um, by the grace of God just for the land that we live in, the country that we live in, the resources that we have, and we're anointed to create wealth, then what kind of gets in the way? Like what, what what can be the problem if our cash flow isn't flowing or what what are some of the obstacles that can um, prevent us from living this life of generosity and this life of extravagant generosity? So um, I'm going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 6. So I'm reading the Passion Translation or the Passion Version. I don't think Joe likes it to be called the translation, but I don't really get it. So um, the Passion Version, which I love. Um, so 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says... To all the rich of the world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth, for your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works of extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. This will provide a beautiful foundation for their lives and secure for them a great future as they lay their hands as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. So I've been reading this verse a lot this week and I love it. So what are the things that can get in the way? And let's I'm gonna take a couple of bits from this verse. So, if we're anointed to create wealth and we have this creative and divine ability to and we're called to this extravagant generosity so that we can see God's kingdom come and um, see, you know, resource awesome stuff happening, what the heck gets in the way of that? Well, according to this verse, one of the things is pride. Oh, yes, good old pride. I'm, I never, I never struggle with pride. <laughs> never. It's never been an issue for me. It's <laughs> so not true. Even preparing this preach has been like a really good, like, buttons. Push, push my buttons, there we go, around this whole area, which has been really good. So, yes, we want to become powerful resources, and um, we're anointed to create wealth. But those are all true. But it's also true that all our money is God's. Every single thing. Every single penny that we have is God's. The air that I breathe comes because God creates air for me to breathe. The heart that beats comes because God amazingly created my body to have a beating heart that just does it without me really thinking about it. And it's so easy for me to think and focus on how I've earned money, if that makes sense, or how how much money I've earned or what my wage is and how um, and to really focus on the fact that I've earned it which it does if you work a job you do work hard for for things then money doesn't just like land in your paycheck uh, in as a, you don't get a paycheck just for like sitting around not doing anything but it's really easy for me to ma- have my main focus on how I've earned money instead of realizing it's a gift that every month it's actually a gift and that Joe and I have really worked at and still work at and remind each other now that actually, and we have a value that all our money is God's. So yeah, we do earn money, but every single thing that we have is God's. Yep, I'm anointed to create wealth. Yep, I'm connected to the Father. I'm in union with Him. But, and those are all true, but it's still true that everything I have is actually God's because He gave everything to me. So that I won't die, so that I won't be sick, so that I won't be depressed, so that I won't be in pain. Everything he's given to me. So I know that can seem a bit like, I don't know, like, huh? You can't do this. But it, th- those are two true things. And I think it's really, it's so, I know for me, it's really easy for me to feel and get really entitled to the money that I have. Or feel like I have a right to my money because I've earned it. Like, this is my money. I don't really want to give it away. Oh, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Like, I still feel it now. Like, in terms of giving or in generosity, it's so easy for me to think, oh, this is mine. So, oh, I, I can almost think I'm doing God a favor by giving him some of my money. Be like, oh, I'll give him 10%. That's so, that's so good of me. <laughs> Aren't I a nice Christian? As opposed to every single bit, every penny I have is a gift from him. And I choose that as a value. Me and Joe choose that as a value. And it's something I have to work on. But it it means this whole area of pride we can have or entitlement we can have around money of I should earn this, I should be able to pay for massages or organic cucumbers or whatever can gets kind of boshed away because I realize every single thing I have. And I think the antidote to pride, actually, is not to focus on, oh, dear, I'm so proud. Oh, rubbish, woe is me. Actually, the antidote, I think, is to really cultivate thanksgiving and get really good at being grateful on a daily basis. So every day I kind of take these meditation times. Don't worry, I'm not, don't worry about me. Um, I know saying the word meditation freaks people out, but I'll take time, and as part of that, I'll always... um, Think about three things I'm grateful for in that day. So I will, and these will always be small things. Like I have a shelter. I, you know, I used to work with homeless guys, but that was a constant anxiety for them. Or like on a really like minging days of weather, I wake up in the morning. It's peeing with rain. I'm like, whoa, I'm dry. That's something I can be grateful for if I choose to. Things like my, the food that I eat, that I have a variety, you know, everyday picking, and sometimes the big things like, oh my goodness, I'm saved from death. That's, I mean, that's quite a big thing to be thankful for, but I think also we can be thankful for the really small things, actually, and the more that you do that, the more that we realize, oh my goodness, this is an amazing um, thing that we've been given. So, um, the next thing is, uh, that we can see from this verse, from 1 Timothy, is that being wealthy isn't bad. So, if because if, be, if money was bad, then I'm pretty sure on this verse it would say, say to the rich of this world, give away all your money. It would just say, say to the rich, that's a really bad idea. You're being totally selfish, guys. Just give it all away already. But it doesn't say that. It says not to rely on it because it's unreliable, which money it is. It says to trust God and it says to not get our thoughts wrapped up in it. And kind of get your brain sort of all, all about money, 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 numbers, meeting the bills. And it's so easy with money and wealth for us to create a kind of certain dialogue around it, a certain set of beliefs and a certain story around money and the money that we have. Um, and I, I, always, I think, I call it like your money mindset. We all have different money mindsets. Um, depending on how we grew up and the things we got taught and the environments we were in and our, our experiences that we have with money. And I think it's really important just as we are told to renew the mind in terms of, you know, we're no longer sinners and we're filled with God's spirit. And, you know, we talk about a lot of these spiritual things of renewing the mind. I think we've also got to renew our money mindset mind so that we come in line with what God says because we all have money triggers. Sitting here, I might have already triggered you off, you know, things, situations, or phrases that people would say that make you go, oh, that's a bit excessive, that's very, you know, that's not needed, or that's not very generous, or whatever other judgments we like to make, Um, so it could be the thought of a family member or a a sibling you have seeking to run a business that makes millions, that might make you be like, come on. Come on, guys, you know, we've got so many of the porters. It might be the idea of of us as a church. What if our revenue was like two million pounds or three million pounds or ten million pounds? Maybe that makes you be like, churches churches shouldn't talk about money. We shouldn't have that much money. That might set you off. It might be someone who leads a church driving a fancy car. Now, that always seems to upset people. Um, Or having loads of cash. Imagine if I worked for the church full-time. And I drove in here in a fancy, I don't know, I can't even think of a fancy car, Range Rover, I don't know, with tinted windows, you know, on these huge, yummy mummy cars, just for like just me and my tiny baby in a few months' time, just like rolling down the windows. And I stepped out, and I worked for church, and I'm here, and maybe I have designer things instead of things from the charity shop. And and maybe that would make you be like she works for church she shouldn't have a fancy pimped up car for her and her single child um it might be the idea of the church holding a special offering that might set your buttons off it might be having miss you know when missionaries are looking to collect money it might be um a friend of yours buys a really big house and they don't really need it and you're a bit like well, I could I do could with, yeah, I, I know where that money could better off goes. We all have the things that set us off. So I'd really encourage you actually this week, either in your small groups or in your um, family units or with friends, and just with your time with the Holy Spirit, just to ask him to show you, are there any beliefs and lies you're believing around money? Is there anything that you, there's an, is there any invitations to renew your mindset around money? And we're because we're all called to different things actually, and that's okay. When it comes to money, some of us will feel really excited about making millions and billions, and some of us won't feel excited about that. And we actually would rather just go and save the poor and just let God provide the millions and billions, if that makes sense. And that's okay. We all have slightly different things. I think we're called to, but we all. I think it's really important that we do look at our mindset and our beliefs and our thoughts around money. Um, otherwise, we. Just get trapped by your own judgments because it's so easy to judge people of like oh I can't believe they live in that big house or I can't believe they just bought that car or I can't believe they I don't know we just have we just around money especially we're just so quick to judge people I can't believe they're quitting their job that's so irresponsible I can't believe they have that much in their savings don't they know they could give that away and to the poor and, and give feed this many m- meals at city mission or you know, we all have, we're really quick to judge. Judge people with money, judge people without money, judge people who have gone into debt, judging people who, you know, and I, and I think it's a really important area that we learn to ask the Holy Spirit about. Um, so another thing that gets in the way is this big question of, well, why should I give to church, as in like local church, when I would rather actually give elsewhere? So this is a conversation me and Joe have had, and I'm sure many of you have thought, but maybe not dare to say out loud. <laughs> and, and I think it's a really common thought, is why, um, you know, do we give to church? Because we should. Why should we give to, like, local church? There's loads of other amazing organizations and charities that do kick ass stuff that we get to fund. Do, and sometimes those other charities seem to be having a bit more impact In terms of getting stuff done than your small local church like us so what you know me me and joe have had a lot of conversations about this of like should we how much should we give to a local church should we if we feel passionate maybe about other things like it's been this kind of conversation we had and we totally get it I, i i've always worked for other charities so giving to other charities is a great idea they do amazing things me and joe give to several organizations and that we're passionate about, but we also give to, and always have given to, whatever our local church is at at the time, and I think it's really easy, and and this is ultimately, again, something I think you need to go and ask the Holy Spirit about if you feel a bit annoyed (laughs) giving money to local church, because you never want to give anything because you feel like you should, or because that's what good Christians do. That's like the worst reason to ever do anything. So, um, but I think it's really, really important that you do give consistently to, if, you're a, if you feel like you're a member of a church, actually there is this area of extravagant generosity when it comes to church. Not because church needs your money, although it does because it's a voluntary place, but it's actually to do, I think it's to do with a biblical principle from before the law of Abraham giving to... Melchizedek. I mean, what a name. Um, it's, not, it's not going on the baby names list. Melchizedek. <laughs> Though Joe's angling for it. Um, and, and, and I think it's an old, Bibli- like a pre- it's, a, it's a kingdom principle, actually. And I think it's really, really important that we do it because I actually think it's the hardest place to give. To give to church, but I know for me, it feels easier to give to other charities that maybe have awesome branding and is all like a huge charity. So it's really tangible to see the impact on the poor, for example, because they're feeding this many children, they're building this many schools, they're doing this many things, they're bringing this many people out of sex trafficking, like, and I can clearly see that if that makes sense. And so it's almost easier to give that way to give to your church that you're a member of. Then you know people the people that aren't perfect. you've probably been offended by what somebody said at some point um you know because you know. <laughs> No, people, people always, there's always going to be some sort of offense going on at church. Like there's always going to be miscommunication. There's always going to be hurt because you're in it. You're in, you're part of the body. So you see the imperfections. So actually to give to church, I think is the hardest and most sacrificial thing to do. And I think giving is, is sacrificial. So I'm not necessarily saying that, um, to be in, to, to live this life of extravagant generosity is like, woo, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's joyful, But it's not always easy. I will be totally honest with you. I am very aware of how much money we give away every month. And I know exactly what I would spend that money on. Like 100%. In a year, I know I would go on more extra hot holidays to get vitamin D. I'd probably have like more massages, maybe. And I'd probably spend even more money on expensive food. Like I'm very aware of what I would spend that money on. I can mentally spend it in like... Five seconds, and it because it says, but it is so. It is sacrificial, and it's a sacrifice of praise. If we just worship God, just be like la 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 la, la that's all good. But actually, worship also looks like something, and it looks like sacrifice, and not in a dull, kind of depressed way. But it does, it, you do feel it, I think. And I think if, you're into, if we want to live these extravagantly generous lives, actually, which is what we're called to, I think from this verse, because we're actually, I think originally we're called to, and we're anointed to create wealth. Therefore, we get to live these extravagantly generous lives. And actually it is, but it is about worship and it is about a sacrifice of praise, actually, it, because it's not ours. And we we get to give back. And it's one of the most kind of controversial things you can do in our world, actually, is to be radically generous. Um, Joe and I bought a house last year. Um, and so you go to the mortgage advisory people that you talk about money with, basically. And they look at all everything you've got going in, everything you've got going out, how much debt you're in, yada, yada, yada. And um, so the lady, we had two different mortgage advisors and both of them were um, really very shocked, actually, at how much we gave away. To the point of them, both of them were a bit speechless at different points. And, they, and one of the ladies said to us, she was like, I've, I've never seen this. I've, she was a bit like, I don't, she was literally like, are you guys insane? I don't understand wh- why you do this. And it was in that moment, me and Joe, to be fair, were a little bit like embarrassed. and like, oh, you know, when you feel a bit stupid because <laughs> someone's like, this is, a st-. basically she was being like, this is stupid. You could get a much better mortgage if you, whatever. Um, but actually it was a real moment. You could see she'd encountered something totally different of the kingdom because of radical generosity. And it's never, uh, it's not about necessarily how many numbers you have. It's about that life, actually, that sacrifice that actually it welcomes in God's kingdom, and it's something really, really powerful, or like when me and Joe, uh, a few weeks ago, or whenever it was, we went to, like, drive through Costa, and then we, were, and that's a really, that's a really easy way just to pay for the person behind you, because their orders come through, and it, so we did that, and the, la- the ladies at the Costa were just like, are you sure? And we were like, yeah, they're like, are you, are you they're your friends? We we're like, no, but we just think it's fun. And she was like, are you sure? It's a really expensive order. They're getting cake and like four hot chocolates. And I mean, it wasn't that, it was like 18 pounds or something. It's not, they weren't spending like several hundred in Costa. Um, but she was, she, she just had a little taste then of just what the kingdom of God is like. Cause God is incredibly generous to us. And I think there's something about generosity that's so appealing and so controversial and just shakes people's it, it's just an in, it just becomes such a clear invitation for people to encounter God in a real way, because when you, you kind of money, like it's putting money where your mouth is, and sometimes us Christians aren't that great at that. We'd rather be like, bless you, and then instead of being like, oh, well, I can say bless you, and you will be blessed, because our declarations and our words are powerful, but I could back that blessing up with like 400 quid, then that, that person might be like, whoa wow, she really means it. She's not just using like Christianese, you know, bless you. It's like, oh, wow, <laughs> she, she means, like, I've experienced that. And so I think there's something really, really powerful. And I, I, I just feel like we're called in this time, in this generation, to be extravagantly generous. I think it's fun, it's a, but it's a sacrifice. And it's one of those tensions of that God's given us everything and he doesn't ask for anything in return, actually. We don't have to give. It's always a choice. You don't have to give anything to church, to, any, to anywhere else. It's a choice. But it's also an opportunity to be blessed. Actually, I think God always loves to bless those who give. Oh, I've run over, haven't I? Um, so, part three, I'll go through these super quick. These are quick tips. Quick Kesia tips and, and thoughts that God's spoken to me and Joe about, about finances and little practical things like practical action. So I've already talked about cultivating thankfulness, which I think is really important. And in general, if you're struggling with everything that I'm talking about and you hate this whole money chat and you think this is ridiculous and you don't like tithing and blah, 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 blah cultivate thankfulness. And if you do that and, and you're grateful about everything you have, naturally you'll see shifts, I think. But some of my quick tips from um, things God's spoken to me about. I think you, for me, and for me and Joe, we give first to our local church. You might not want to. It probably seems less sexy and less exciting than giving to like sponsoring like 10 children in Uganda. And you get cute little pictures and you get to see how they're getting educated. And, and that's awesome. Please do that as well. That's also great. But I think we give, for me and Joe anyway, we give first to church and then to other places that we feel passionate about. Um, I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but that is our, from our understanding of the Bible. Um, I think 10% is a great starting point, but for, I know for a lot of you here, you probably already give, and you're like, yeah, yeah, give to church, yeah, yeah, give to organizations, Woo-woo. but I think 10% is a great starting point, but don't get stuck there. I think it's kind of, if you, it, it can be fun to just play around with the percentages, just and go up, I, I, on the up end, <laughs> generally. Um but also there are times in life as well, like me and I'm about to go on maternity leave in like four months or something. So our income will probably go down. So actually our giving might shift with that. And that's also okay. It's not it's not like a contract, it's a relationship. You give out of relationship. And so but ten percent, so me and Joe have a thing where we like to the last few years anyway, we've tried to increase our giving by like a percent or half a percent every year. Thankfully Joe figures out what that actually means. <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's a great idea. So dream about your generosity goals. Um, feel it. Feel the things that you give. So give sacrificially. So it actually, it's really easy for a set of direct debits and it just be automatic. But I think it's really good to sometimes feel it, to notice it, as opposed to it just be automated. Uh, this is what I do. So shake things up a bit. I think it's fun to have giving goals. So what would you like to give this year? What would you like to have given away in five years? What, would you, what are your dreams around giving as a family, as a couple, as an individual? Are you someone that would love to live off of like 10% of what you earn? I think that would be really fun. Um, but everyone has different goals. But I think it's really important to set some. So every year, have a think about what are your, kind of, what are your dreams around giving. And the final thing is pursue financial wisdom. And I think, I know for me, that's meant reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of podcasts, like about money, not about Jesus and money, just about money from people that are good at maths. Um, and learn how to budget, learn to live within your means, pay your taxes. If you don't feel like your finances are in a good, uh, are f- infused with wisdom, then ask someone for help. I know there's lots of people in this church that are awesome with finances. And I think it's really important that we have wisdom in that. So those are my quick tips, (laughs) quick Kezia tips. But if we can all stand, if you are able, I just think it would be really good to pray. Hmm. So Father, we just thank you that you have been extravagantly generous to us. (laughs) And you didn't do that once, actually. (laughs) You do that every day (laughs) in the, the breath that I breathe and the things that I have, the clothes that I wear, the bed that I sleep in, the food that I have access to. Father, the safety that I I live in, God, you are generous to me every day. Father, Holy Spirit, so just come right now. Would you just flush out or highlight any just wonky thinking we can have about this stuff? Father, Lord, infuse our finances with joy and with wisdom, whatever that looks like for us. Father, infuse it with your peace and your provision. Lord Jesus, and we just want to repent and turn away from any kind of stinking thinking around money, around judgments we've made. If you feel like you've made judgments about wealthy people or whatever it is, just, just take a couple of seconds just to uh, repent from that, actually. Yeah, Father, just bring that thought to mind and ask. It's just that turning away. And Lord Jesus, we just ask, would you give us your opinion and your thoughts and your strategies around giving so that we can powerfully impact this land and see such social change, Father, through the generosity and through your provision and being a people that know how to create wealth and know how to be extravagantly generous. Thank you for everything you give us, God. Thank you. Jesus. Amen.